I've said it in other entries before, um, this time of year, there's a small group of films I usually like to watch, period, just because they're, like, my favorite films, they're films I enjoy watching, and even though they probably aren't, you know, all the way well-received, probably films that not everybody talks about, um, they are films that I enjoy, especially around Halloween time, so, this film, 1408, I happen to enjoy a lot. It's based on a Stephen King story, and I say story because it's not like one of his novels or even one of his novels. It's actually just one short story um, in a collection uh, that he put out um, called Blood and Smoke. And Blood and Smoke was something he released uh, in the 90s, which was a collection of three different stories, one of them being the 1408. Now, what 1408 is... For those who have never seen it before, it's a film from 2007 starring uh, John Cusack, and it also has um, uh, performances by uh, Samuel Jackson, Tony Shalhoub, uh, what's the wife's name? Mary McCormick, I believe is the wife's name. She's a well-known actress. And it's about this author who goes around and kind of critiques haunted hotels in, like, the world. Um... And writes books about them. Sort of like travel guides, almost. Like, where to see the top ten haunted uh, hotels. The top ten haunted drive-ins. The top ten haunted... And he writes books like that. And the story is basically revolving around him. And this cryptic kind of message he gets. Where it's telling him not to go... Not to stay in room 1408 at this hotel called The Dolphin in New York City. Now, there's a slight little backstory for him and New York City where he used to live out there with his wife. They had a daughter. The daughter died of cancer. And then he went and ran ran away to basically just be an author on the road and not really deal with grieving his daughter in an appropriate manner. So it follows him being a writer and then going to this hotel and demanding to stay in this room. The manager of the hotel is played by Samuel Jackson. And he is kind of like, listen, I don't want you to stay in the room. Please, we can send you to another. There's a whole scene where they explain like all this stuff that happens. Because the thing is, is that the hotel isn't haunted. It's just this one room. It's just room 1408. And it's odd to him because, of course, it's this giant, you know... 15 16 story hotel and this one random room is just considered to be really really evil and one of the big like shining moments is that while he's doing research he's discovering all the people that have died in the room and when he goes there the guy's like well you know how many people have died he's like yeah like 30 people have died he's like nah more like 55 people have died and he was like what do you mean 55 people he's like well the newspapers don't report deaths like natural deaths and he's like what do you mean natural deaths and then he starts describing a couple of the random deaths that have happened that aren't just like people hanging themselves and slitting their wrists and jumping out the window like no he's talking about people drowning in soup and he's talking about people gouging their eyes out and he talks about like it's 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 very like good dialogue that they set up and i always love ex- explanatory dialogue that really sets the pace for what it's meant to be doing moving forward and that scene is really important to me because i feel like it's it's this this 
counterbalance of power that here's Samuel Jackson, the manager, trying to have this writer who's like, this is his thing. He goes and he sort of debunks creepy haunted places while also like raiding them. And here he is like trying to do it here. And he's like, yeah, I'll let you do it. Just not in this room. Like, we'll give you any other room and you could say it's the same thing. And he's like, no, nah, I can't do that to my readers. So it's it's this counterbalance of his power as a writer that he feels that he has. And this guy's power as the manager. But also his sort of genuine distastefulness for allowing him to be able to actually stay in the room. So he can write this as a chapter in his book. So the... Beginning, the first act is all that. Everything I've explained is all that. It sets up the tone, the understanding of who he is as a writer, getting into this room. And then he's basically in the room for the rest of the film. Now, I think the film is something like 90 minutes, maybe about an hour, buck 40, something like that. And I'm going to say that all of this dialogue in the beginning is 30 minutes top, tops. The hour left of the film is all him in the room and he just goes through the ringer and you really get the feel of how haunted the room is and it's definitely like making a to taking a toll on him psychologically, it's messing with his fears, his, de his deep despair for his dead daughter, you know, his depression, how he neglected um, his wife after the fact, how he shunned his father away. And all these little things that kind of, it tolls on him as a character to really drive him to essentially try to kill himself. And that's what the room sort of does. And the room is sort of this, this chamber of real genuine depression that just compresses on a person's mentality and really pushes them to the brink of like, you can't control it anymore. You're going to do something really bad to yourself or to somebody else. Now, the reason I say it's at least an hour is because once he starts getting settled in the room and all the creepy stuff starts happening, um, like he'll eat the mints off the pillow, then he'll go to the window, all of a sudden the radio starts playing a song, he turns around, the mints are right back on the pillow, and the clock on the radio jumps from like whatever time it actually is to it being a countdown clock of an hour, and that's the whole premise is that nobody lasts in this room for more than an hour. So he goes through all of this stuff in the room and he's being shown all of this, 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 this stuff that's really meant to toll on your mind. I'm trying to find the right words to explain it, but some of it is actual, actually correlated with him. And the rest of it is just correlated with possibly other people that have stayed in the house but also just meant to kind of freak him out and get him scared and rattle his his mental state and that's why the movie is sort of this psychological thriller in the same fashion because it really is tolling on him mentally so much so that there's a whole point where he sort of escapes and winds up being out and it actually winds up being that he wakes up from this accident and then he starts living his life and he starts re-encanting that all oh, the whole 1408 thing was just a dream and then he's living for like a good 15 minutes they're showing you him outside trying to get his life together because this dreamscape kind of showed him what he was really doing to himself and he wants to change that now jump forward a, a, you know a, a little bit of time 
and he winds up getting caught in like this post office where he starts seeing people that he recognizes from the hotel the whole room starts crashing and then lo and behold he's actually in the room and this was another trick the room was playing on him the room made him believe he had actually escaped the room and he really didn't so it's this really crucial moment where he's sitting there dumbfounded and he just starts screaming like i was out i was out it's just so so good and john cusack is really really good in this role especially when it comes to kind of him playing it all out by himself essentially he really is by himself for a good portion of time and eventually you know we get towards the ending where he beats the hour of course the whole premise is that he's going to beat the hour so he beats the hour but it really is just an hour in real time but he doesn't really because what happens is when he thinks he beats the hour the clock starts all over again (laughs) and he just sits there and he's like all right, I, I guess, fuck it. And so he, the, the the room thinks it's going to win, and it starts toying with him to, like, take his own life. But instead, what he, what, what he does is he burns the room to the ground. Now, one of the things that I have to praise about this film, and something I actually discovered this, this year for the first time ever. Now, this is an old film. It's about 15 years old. I just discovered that this film has multiple endings which blows my mind because i never knew that that was a thing that this thing had at least four different endings that i found and i think in, from what i'm looking up it, it is only the four but when i tell you that i discovered these different endings 15 years later i was sitting there like there's got to be more like i'm waiting for more to pop up now for a film to kind of do that at this point in time being this old i think is pretty astounding that it's still kind of shocking me to see these different variations of the ending now the ending i know that i believe is the the kind of regular theoretic ending that um, everybody saw is that the room is burning to the ground he gets rescued by firefighters um his um his wife comes back into his life and they're like trying to get back together but one of the tricks that the room tries to play on him is the room tried to use his daughter as this way of like, daddy, daddy, I miss you. Come and join me. Kind of trying to toy him to like kill himself so he can be with his dead daughter. But she doesn't believe that that happened. Like she, of course, she doesn't experience it. So she's like, you know, whatever happened in that room is happened in that room. Let's just not talk about it. And then it jumps in some time where he's recovering from the fire. He's moving back in with her. And there's this moment where he, like, finds all the stuff that he had with him. One of the things he, he carries out through the entire film is this tape recorder. You know, it's a very old-school writer thing to do. I do it myself, is to walk around with a tape recorder to make sure you catch your ideas. You can record full things that you want to eventually write down later. And that's essentially, like, his writing tool, his his sidekick. And he goes with it all the locations And that's how he kind of narrates what he's doing for the movie, but also for himself as a writer who will later write down all of these things. So he finds this tape recorder in a box that they're moving around. And it's like essentially burnt to a crisp almost, but it still works. So he tries to turn it on and it does the whole like wonky tape thing, you know. But then eventually it starts actually playing. And what it plays is this interaction he has in the room with his daughter. And the scene ends with the mother hearing it, 
dropping the box she has and being shocked that like she's experiencing that and he's just staring at her like it's this moment of like truth where he's like yeah i was i was serious like this is what the room did to me and here's my proof you know they don't say it but you know that's what's happening in the scene so that's the ending i knew there are three other endings one is that exact same scene except the wife now is in another room he hears the tape and he looks at his wife but his wife doesn't hear the little girl on the tape and that's how the scene ends so that's a little bit of a weird like alternate ending i don't know what the reason for that ending to exist is but then there's another one where during the little trick that the room pulls on him where he's out of the room he writes the the entire experience he goes through in the room up to that point as his next novel and then he like is meant to mail it out so now that's in, that's in an like almost alternate reality or a dream state where this happens so there's another ending where in that fire john cusack's character the author dies and they're cleaning out his um like office and then it it shifts over to the perspective of his agent played by tony shalhoub tony shalhoub goes back to his office after helping the wife clean out the after the wife clean out his like studio and he gets in the mail this manuscript from his dream state which is essentially everything he wrote about his experience in the room so it's the exact manuscript he wrote in a fake reality that never existed because it was a trick so i understood why that ending was never used because it still doesn't even make sense to me the more I think about it now. Even better than that, the fourth ending that I've experienced, which is probably the the ending that I dislike the most, is that he dies in the fire, and the next scene is his funeral, where it's the wife, and it's the agent, and they're kind of mourning him, and they're burying him. And then out of nowhere, Samuel Jackson as the manager shows up with a box of his belongings. And the belongings include anything that they found in the fire. He tries to give it to the wife, and the wife's like, now's not a good time, I really don't want any of these things. And so he goes back to the car and he opens it, and it's the tape recorder from like the, the, the other two prior endings. And so for some reason, the manager decides he's going to play it. And then the manager, Samuel Jackson's character, is the one hearing that dialogue between the author and his daughter. Which doesn't have any emotional significance or any significance whatsoever to the story at all. Like, I don't get what the purpose of that ending was. But that was the ending that I was just exposed to when I rewatched it this time around. And I was blown away by how this just was not what i was expecting it is not the ending i remember i was exposed to the same ending as everybody else and then when i went digging i found all four of these endings and i was just completely shocked i did not know this random john cusack movie from 2007 has four completely different endings and truthfully depending on how you watch it will determine what ending you see i'm assuming like i believe one of the endings is like what you'll find on like Netflix or Amazon. One of the endings is for DVD. One of the endings was for a theoretical release. And the other one didn't come out until it was released on like Blu-ray as a special um, Blu-ray like collector's edition or whatever. So just 
just thinking about that, just thinking about the idea that I didn't even know that this movie, that I've enjoyed thoroughly, I've watched it plenty of times over the years, I didn't know at all that this film had all these endings until this year. And to me, I love that. I love that I discovered something about a movie I loved this far down the line. Now, whatever you think about this movie or however you want to feel about this movie going into it, if, you ever, if you've never seen it before or whatever ending you get stuck with, just watch it for its entirety, then go find all of its alternate endings and see which one you like. But I'm telling you, this is a great film. And just the fact that, it's a, that it has four endings means that they put a lot more effort into this than even I gave them credit for. And it's a movie that isn't spoken about a lot as far as like Stephen King adaptations is concerned. 1408 isn't up there on most people's top 10, but it's definitely on my top 10. I love 1408 and this just makes me love it even more.